Hello and welcome to another episode of Planning People, the anime podcast. If you've been reading anime over the past month or so, you may have noticed some content on charitable giving and in particular charitable foundations. It's often discussed in conversations we have with our readers, so we thought it was about time that we recorded one of those conversations. So here in the studio is someone who specialises in advising on charitable giving. Uh, I'm joined by Lauren Janis, who is Director of Thoughtful Philanthropy. Hello, Lauren. How are you? Hi, fine. Good stuff. Uh, now, it probably seems neither charitable nor kind to subject you to the weekly, weekly rock-hard quiz, but the rules do dictate that because I made them up. Uh, so that's, that's, that's that. Um, but there is a twist uh, this week because we're here to talk about charity. So for your delectation, here is a quiz on the history of charity. And for every question you get right, I will donate a tenner to the Teenage Cancer Trust. Who Amazing. you'll see portrayed on my wrist here. Oh, I love Does that it. sound good? Absolutely. Excellent stuff. Okay, so question number one. It is quite hard, but see how you do. According to figures released last year in 2018, how many charities are there in England and Wales? I'm looking for a ballpark figure here, so I'll give you a clue. It's in the hundreds of thousands. Mm. How many do you think? I'm going to say 300,000. Ooh, lower. <sighs> okay, 150. I'll give you a tenner to TCT for that. It's 168,237. Um, that's a lot of charities um, to choose from. I stupidly threw myself into the ballot for the London Marathon and I had the agonising task of trying to choose which charities I would prospectively run for. Um, though I don't think that's the harder bit of the equation. <laughs> I think the harder <laughs> bit is actually getting around the course. Um, £10. We've got £10 on the clock. Uh, question two. What is the largest charity in the UK? By amount raised, by yeah. amount held. By revenue from charitable uh, uh, operations. And I'll give you a clue. Is it, it's a cancer-related charity. Yeah, it's Macmillan. No. The other one. It's the other one. Cancer Research UK. Yes! £20 for TCT. Uh, so last year... Uh, sorry, 2016-2017, Cancer Research UK raised over £436 million pounds, uh, for cancer research. Uh, second in the list is British Heart Foundation, which comes in with a fundraise income of £278 million pounds in 2017. So we're talking big bucks here. Mm, we're talking we very, very big bucks. Question three. You've got £20, pounds, Lauren. Let's see if you can increase it. Charity brings to life again those who are spiritually dead, said one famous individual from the past. But was it A, Thomas Aquinas... Martin Luther King, B, or C, Boris Johnson? A. Correct. £30. Uh, it was Thomas Aquinas, the well-known Italian Dominican friar. He was a jurist, I read, in the tradition uh, of scholasticism, the, thought, uh, the school of thought taught in medieval European universities that emphasised tradition and dogma. Uh, I can't think of any universities that are doing that anymore. Joke. Uh, question four, you've got £30. Pounds All on. right. We're, we're on a roll. This is good. We're going to do it. In the news, do you remember the charity Kids Company? Lauren? I do. Uh, they sadly collapsed after helping hundreds of London kids who were distressed and impoverished. Well, its founder, the controversial Camilla batman Jaley, uh, has recently asked the High Court to do what? Think mm. it's something a bit mad that you wouldn't really expect someone to ask a court to do so explicitly. 
reverse their ruling? Pretty much, actually. I'll give you that. She asked the High Court to spare her from court proceedings over her involvement in the charity's collapse. Her lawyer uh, said dropping the case would save her money and stress. <laughs> true. Yes. I'm yes, sure that as would, it be would true. Many I'm sure that is true. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. £40. Do you think you'll be able to get all five? There are five? There are five. Oh, okay. There's one more question. Okay. And it's about Amazon. All right. Okay, so Amazon founder Jeff Bezos has been in the news too recently. He's going through a very high-profile divorce, and his company has obviously come under fire over its ethics and its record on tax. But Bezos has actually given loads of money to charity. Uh, in particular, last year, how much did he give to charity? Was it an estimated $1 billion, an estimated $2 billion, or an estimated $3 billion? I believe that was a $1 billion gift to homelessness. It was actually two. It was two. You've done very well. It was $2 billion. His day one fund supports existing non-profitable organizations that help homeless families. You're correct. Uh, But it's also working on a new network of non-profit preschools in low-income communities. To be honest, you you really knew your stuff on Amazon. So I'm going to say that's £50. So Lauren, I'm delighted to say that... I'm going to donate £50, the full 50 to Teenage Cancer Trust, who are a wonderful organisation who help young people who are going through a very, very difficult time. Um, thank you for playing. That's a very good wow. outcome. That was worth the worth the trip already. Worth the trip already. Where have you come from again today? Just tell listeners. From Edinburgh. From Edinburgh, people. How good is that? That's the quality of the guests I get on here. They're willing to travel. Um, now, obviously, we've seen from the figures I've just described to you that there are lots and lots of charities out there. Um, but I just wondered i'd start the bidding the questions on this um by asking whether there are any kind of consistencies uh that you see in the gifts given by clients that you work with um are there any kind of um causes that are particularly popular at the moment do you think or is it really quite arbitrary yeah well actually i can actually answer that with the research um because there has been a lot of research done into um into where people give and the as you mentioned the the organization that has raised the most money right now is cancer related. Mm. Um, Both Macmillan and UK Cancer Research UK raise millions every year. Mm. And that is because that is the field that most people give to when they give to charity, they give to the health. Um, And oftentimes it's health issues that affect them personally. So you see a lot of gifts to cancer, um, heart disease, kind of ones that that are in in people that people can th- say, oh, my sister had that, or or I'm suffering from this. Um, so that is definitely a trend. But I will say that this is a trend that is changing, um, particularly as generations with the younger generations. Mm. Um, so a lot of the research and even anecdotal evidence says that to me says that the millennial generation, younger generations, are much more interested in giving to people and issues that are kind of outside of their social circle. So they're more interested in giving to homelessness, like Mm. um, Jeff Bezos, um, to mental health, to, Mm. um, uh, you know, deworming in Africa, these more complex problems that they don't necessarily associate themselves, their friends or themselves with, but Mm. that they can see have context in the wider world mm. um, and following on from that i mean i was actually going to ask you about this a little bit later but it's worth just um throwing in that i'm um, throwing it in in here um older people 
Uh, how do older people give, do you think? Because, you know, our readers, they advise on, um, not all the time, but there's a large cohort of so-called baby boomers yep. out there who have amassed this sort of amazing wealth, some of it from property, some of it from investments, uh, pensions, etc. Um, do they do they give in a different way? Are they Are they more or less focused or... Uh, in terms of what they give to causes? Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of their gifts are going to hospitals, hospices, and diseases. Mm, um, okay. And and not forgetting religion is still an important How uh, sector to give to. Mm. Um, I work with clients both in the U.S. and in the U.K., and certainly giving to religious organizations is a bigger deal in the U.S., but that's not to say that it's not something that particularly older people will give to um, in the U.S., in the U.K., mm. and give to in their wills as well. Mm, that's really interesting. I have a friend who is a priest, and um, he is uh, potentially about to take up a job, and I won't square the deal by talking too much about it, but in America, uh, working for a huge charitable uh, religious foundation, mm. uh, which... Uh, obtains all of its revenues uh, from donations and the amount of money that they are spending potentially on his research is astronomical it's absolutely huge it's absolutely fascinating uh area to look at um do millennials give more or less than their older client counterparts now that might seem like an obvious question because i know that typically older people might have more money um mm. but is there is there a big gulf there in the amount given? Yes, right now um, okay. there is because millennials typically don't have much money um, right now. But that's not to say that they're not giving in other ways. Um, mm. Millennials are are the values-driven generation. Mm. Um, they're very interested. They're the ones really behind impact investing, as I'm sure you know, and, um, and kind of socially screened investments. They're the ones asking people for these more ethical brands. Um, they're out there volunteering. They're very active on social media. Um, they're they're getting their friends involved and they're talking about these broader issues. Um, everything, as we said, from mental health care to um, empowering children in Africa. So they're giving in other ways. And the kind of, you know, with the whole intergenerational wealth transfer coming down the line, the all indicators point toward them giving in very large amounts once they're capable of doing so. Mm, that's very interesting. Do you think that the, you know, that this is, charity is really benefiting from that because it is setting up this idea of a gift because obviously that older generation is uh, making a lot of bequests and are giving a lot of money to people of my age. Um, I speak as a recipient of, say, inheritance money. And that idea of a gift, um, perhaps as part of an inheritance tax strategy, um, sort of sets up the logic the framework for thinking oh well maybe i can give my money uh to other places too it strikes me that there's actually a a really not that it's negative a perfect fire a perfect storm there happening that's creating a lot of opportunity for charities there i think absolutely and you know more to the charities that are going out there now and speaking to millennials about the issues they care about in a way that they care about them mm. so that they're nurturing them for the long term, hopefully, so that they will receive those larger gifts when they're more capable of giving them. Mm. Topical question. Um, I'll only mention this word once in the podcast, Brexit. So we've had a few conversations with IFAs where they seem to suggest to us that because of Brexit uncertainty, uh, I've said the word twice, broken my own rule, sorry, um, 
that their clients are perhaps withholding some of their investments or they're choosing not to put large sums of money into funds or onto the stock market because they just, or into specific businesses, because they just don't know what's going to happen to it. And that's having a quite paralyzing effect. And the result of that, though it does involve some investment, is that those clients are perhaps choosing to put their money into pension contributions or into ISA contributions. Mm. Um, I wondered whether, have you seen any evidence that that's also mm. meaning that people are choosing to give uh, instead? And is there any sort of Brexit benefit effect from the sort of current period of Interesting. turmoil? I have not personally seen it, um, and I have not read any research about the the uncertainty that Brexit introduces and its effect on charitable giving. Mm. Um, but I can see how it could it could definitely affect people's um, decisions to give if they're giving based on something like um, expectation of, of business earnings going down from Brexit mm. or any expectations of this change in the tax strategy maybe. Um, but it's not something that I have that I have seen lately mm. that I've seen myself. It just struck me there was this sort of narrative really about taking control. And I think one of the great things about giving to charity is that you can obviously pick and choose who you give to. Mm. And that and that's that's an, a tremendously empowering feeling that people have over their money. And I think you it's got it. it's one of those things that um, you know, people might say, Oh, well, why don't they just pay more tax? But there's a very different uh, it's a very different experience of paying tax, isn't there? You don't necessarily have any hard evidence or as much hard evidence of where your money goes in in that sort of connected join the dots way whereas people in charity you know when you choose a charity however big or small it's normally pretty possible and the charities normally make it sort of pretty clear what your money is um is going on um how should advisors explain to clients how to give to charity and what the best kind of charities might be to give to because I know that there's this element of due diligence on charities where some charities spend more of uh shall we say um givers money on actually Mm -hmm. their day-to-day operations so I think when I when I was 21 I went to Haiti Mm -hmm. and I was given all this training about you know charitable work and how I think it was the Red Cross spent a very very high proportion of its donors money actually on maintaining its own operations as opposed to you know the sort of overheads as opposed to actually money on the ground and that's been something that charities have come under pressure about uh, in recent years, particularly as their ethics have been challenged. Um, how should advisors talk their clients through that process? Is there any scope for them to challenge clients' decisions or their hopes there? Yeah, so so you've kind of touched on a, a really major debate within the the charitable community, and um, and that's the, the issue of overheads and costs. And I'm having been in the charity sector and coming from it, I can say that it's I'm I'm not a big fan of that argument because I don't see it. It doesn't necessarily by looking at somebody's administrative costs, you can't mm. infer how effective that charity is. It's mm. just it's not like looking at somebody's like a company's balance sheet. Mm. Um, and I think that the the challenges that a lot of people look at, they they want to be able to evaluate a charity the way they want to be able to evaluate a company, mm. and that makes perfect sense. But the challenge is that the business of social change is not linear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's you can't look at inputs and um inputs in, inputs out and say, well, we made 10,000 widgets this year as opposed to 20,000 widgets. You have to look at, well, what is the strategy that the the organizations in um following in, you know, in 
deworming or whatever that their whatever their issue area is. Mm. You have to look at a lot of different factors and then decide is my money best spent here at this point in time or is it best spent in another place? So I really shy away from saying this is a bad charity or you know this is a wasteful charity because all of these charities are following a, stru- a strategy that they think that they find works for them based mm. on what they know about the cause. Mm. Um, it's And that's why it's really the onus is on the donor to understand that charity's strategy and make sure that it makes sense in their mind. And if it does, then they can give to that organization and they can get all the joy and empowerment that comes from that. Mm. Um, it's really at the end of the day, I don't advocate looking at how much their C- their director mm. makes, their CEO makes. It just doesn't make sense. It strikes me that that very argument you, I can see this conversation happening between a you know a client and their advisor, where mm. the advisor perhaps understands the you know the tax implications of charitable giving from a sort of tax training perspective because we know that they have those qualifications, um, but perhaps they they they're not as sort of qualified uh, on the understanding of different charitable operations. Do you think that there's scope there for a lot more training for IFAs on understanding? charitable organizations and 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 how different they can be because every charity is different it's not just you know people give money and then it gets spent there's a there's an enormous array of different types of operation on there yeah you're absolutely right and what i would advocate for is less a less training on looking at the books of a charity and really more understanding how charities function and how social change works mm-hmm. and how donors kind of time, talent, and treasure is what we um, call it, can mm. can move that issue forward. And really helping clients have build a relationship with that, that cause and those charities that they're giving to, because that's how they get the benefit at the end of the day. That's where you get the joy from your giving. That's where you get the sense of empowerment, the sense of agency that you can make mm. a change in this world, that you're angry about the fact that these girls aren't getting an education in Nepal. And so you are giving some of your money every every month and you're volunteering and you're telling your friends and that at the end of the day makes for a happier client. Mm. We know that it, you know charitable giving is tax efficient. Do you think that people, this is a bit of a controversial question, but do you think people would give so much to charity if it wasn't so tax efficient? So I'm not a tax expert. I just know the basics about um, some of the tax benefits of charitable mm. giving. And to be honest, I don't think it's a massive, it's, you don't get a massive tax benefit from charitable giving. You get mm. gift aid, which is great, but it, yeah. at the end of the day, it really benefits the charity unless you're higher income and are giving loads and loads of money. Um, so I, I, I'm I, not an expert enough to have an inf- that informed of an opinion, but my gut is that it doesn't mm. make that much difference. Mm. I know that in the U.S. where the tax structure is, is different, um, the great majority of people don't actually declare charitable gifts on their income taxes, hmm. which means at the end of the day, they don't really care. Okay, interesting. Uh, bringing the conversation back to sort of the IFA element here. Um, we um, we try and champion at NMA this idea of sort of life planning and making mm. sure that you know it's not all about product sales. It's about looking at an individual's goals and also their values, which obviously is innately connected to the topic of charity when do you think is a good time for advisors to bring up the topic of charitable giving and and if say say there's a client that doesn't even mention it once in their sort of initial meetings 
uh, or in the, the sort of outline stage Most of don't. planning their go- the goal. Most don't, you say. Yeah. Interesting. When is when is a good time for the advisor to say, hey, well, look, have you considered making a charitable donation? To- there are lots of great times. Yeah. Okay. So um, one of them is certainly during the uh, an intake meeting uh, with a new client. You can bring up the topic of charitable giving, say, are there any um, organizations or causes that are particularly important to you that we'd like to talk about, how we can work them into your financial plan. Mm. And that can just be kind of something that the IFA can throw out there. It doesn't need to be um, you know, settled at that point in time, but it gives the client an, underst- uh, an idea. It plants the seed in their head mm. um, that they might start thinking about it. Um, you can also talk to them about it if you're going through um, like an annual report, an annual review. Um, an IFA might say, you know, look, at it. I went through your reports. It looks like you're giving 50 pounds a month to Cancer Research UK. Is mm-hmm. that something that's really important to you? Because if so, we can reevaluate how you give that money and we can make sure that you're giving in the most impactful way uh, for your given your values. And in many mm-hmm. cases, that will kind of open up a larger conversation with the client and say, well, you know, I, I started that I started that uh, direct debit five years ago when my sister had cancer, but that's not really as important to me right now. What's really important to me is X, Y, Z. Um, and then certainly during a liquidity event, um, sale of business is a very uh, appropriate mm. time to bring up charitable giving, an inheritance, um, anything that kind of signals a life change. Yeah, sure. Um, so we've talked about Teenage Cancer Trust. We've talked about Macmillan, you know, British Heart Foundation. Um, what are your favorite charities, Lauren? I have to ask you, are there any sort of causes at the moment that you think are particularly worthy that you think that's a great cause that people should be aware of? So that is a great question that I can't really answer because I'm an independent researcher. Ah. So I can't really say... Oh, I think this is an amazing organization. You should give to this over this one. Mm. My job is really just to highlight organizations that are doing um, work that aligns particularly well with the client's values. So mm. I think that the answer to your question is there are so many organizations out there that are doing amazing work. Mm. It's just a matter of matching them to the right donor. Mm. Okie doke. That's very interesting. I couldn't I couldn't uh, prod you further and ask what the last charity you personally gave money yeah, was. Yeah, no, I, I certainly talk about the ones that I give okay. to. Um, so I give to, um, uh, I just did this at the end of last year. I wrote out all of our givings over the last year. Um, my husband and I met at uni, so we give to the same. We give to um, our alumni annual fund every year. Hmm. And last year was a an election year in the US um, and we're both American. And mm. I, so we gave quite a bit of money, actually quite a bit of money of our, quite a bit of our, our charitable giving budget yes. um, to organizations in the US, which are called 50C34s um, that can work on political issues. So we gave to a couple organizations that do get out the vote uh, for women and minorities. Mm. So it kind of changes year by year based on what kind of drives us that year and what we're mm. passionate about. But those are two of the ones that we go to. Is that year. a good time frame to review charitable giving annually? I think it's a great time frame. Okay. Yeah. It's a great, um, it's it's also a great tradition. Like mm. you can do every Christmas. You can have a look at, well, where did we give last this last year? And what what were the gifts that really um that we're really glad that we made? And what are the ones that we want to think about giving into the new year? And what are some other issues that are coming up that we want to set aside some money for? And that's a good opportunity to also think about, 
you know, is a cousin running a charity race? Mm. Um, you know, are we going to be asked, is there a community hall that's going to be asking for money? And really plan it out so that you're thinking, right, I've allocated this amount to these these organizations, but I still want to have some money carved out for these issues that I know I'm going to feel mm. that I need to give, to, give back to mm. um, later in the year. Sure. Um, interesting to hear you say that you gave some money or have given some money to your university. Mm. Um, I remember when I was at university, I did the annual, what was called the annual telethon, where you spend two weeks at the end of the academic year on the phone trying to get people who are alumni to um, to give money to, to the college. And uh, I had, you know, I had a great time. You know, we raised a lot of money. I think we we raised an insane amount of money that was in the millions, um, in theory. <laughs> People listen to current students, um, which is a which was an amazing achievement. My sense since graduating has been that that my you know my alma mater is not worthy at all of my my money. It's got more than enough money as yeah. it is, and yeah. that there are plenty of other things going on that are much more in need of my cash like guide dogs <laughs> um guide dogs for the blind yes guide dogs for the blind <laughs> love those guide dogs um how do you, how should um you know how should you uh, sort of square off that that argument how what's the best way for you know say an advisor to discuss the worthiness of different causes and and can an advisor become a little bit shall we say political or opinionated about charity or is it solely for the is it solely for the client to d- to dictate, you know, where where the money goes? Can there be a bit of back and forth there? Do you think? I mean, I think that totally depends on your relationship with the client. Hmm. Yeah, if you have that kind of relationship where you feel like you can say, you know, do you really want to be giving this much money to your to your alma mater? Shouldn't you, you know, maybe put something aside to think about giving it to this other issue that I know you're passionate about? Hmm. Then definitely bring it up and have that that back and forth. But at the end of the day. The role of an advisor is really to help that client be the best person that they can be and yeah, you know sure. get the most the most joy and fulfillment out of their wealth. Mm-hmm. And so if that means that they want to give leave a hundred thousand dollars to, you know, homeless cats, which certainly definitely happens, um, I don't think that it's necessarily the role of the advisor to say, no, you really shouldn't do that. Mm. I'm looking forward, just finally, to the next five, ten years. Um, we know that Britain loves charity. Mm. Britain loves charity so much and British people give so much money to charity and they raise money in their offices. They do fun runs. Um, do you think that that's only going to increase over time? I, I asked that because I think we had a bit of a wobble with certain charities in this mm. country a few years ago where, as I mentioned earlier, there were a couple of sort of stories about ethics and you know bad practice that emerged. And I think... As we go through time and we have that sort of greater transparency that sort of slowly filters its way through society and through popular culture, that inevitably there will be moments where, uh, you know, organisations that perhaps seem very honourable in their practices were perhaps not living up to the values that they uh, claim to be. Do you think that, you know, the popularity of charitable giving is only going to go up? Yeah, so I actually, I think that my guess is that charitable giving will continue to be very important to in the British public and in the American um, mm. public. But I, what I do see changing is people's attitude about charity in general. I do think that these kind of, as you say, the wobbles um, with the major charities in the last few years have 
woken people up to the fact that just because it's a charity does not mean that it's all good and they're all angels. Mm. And this is, you know, a realization that I think has Americans have really globbed onto in the last 10 years or so. And, you know, in some sense, they've gone a little bit too far, I think. But it is really an important reminder for donors to do do a little bit of research and understand what this organization's strategy is and accept that people working for charities are not, they're not all priests. They're not all mm-hmm. nuns. Um, they're, but 99% of them are good people who are just trying to serve that, that, uh, that cause. But, you know, we're all fallible. We're all people at the end of the day and they are going to make mistakes. So it's a matter of looking at charities and saying, right, I know this is an organization trying to save wild gorillas. This is an issue I'm passionate about. So I'm going to learn about their strategy, learn about the issues that are facing wild gorillas right now Mm. and choose a charity that best aligns with my values and my feeling of how we can best serve those gorillas and be a little bit of understanding the fact that charities go through ups and downs just like any other organization does. And I want to and I as a donor want to enable learning while also furthering impact. Mm. Great stuff. Um, I'm very sorry to say that that's all that we've got time for this week but suffice to say I'm really really glad that you came to talk about this because I think the more and more that we talk uh, not just about investment but about the sort of uh, the life planning and the uh, the value side of what matters to clients the more and more holistic financial advice will come uh, become um if you've enjoyed this podcast, then please do go to iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a review. Um, but it wouldn't be the end of a charitable giving podcast without me saying that, of course, as a result of Lauren's sterling performance in the quiz, uh, I will be donating the grand sum of £50 to the Teenage Cancer Trust, um, whose work supports young people all over the country. Um, but also, don't forget that the CityWire 10K is coming up on the Tuesday the 9th of July in London's Regent's Park. That feels like it's a long time away, people. It is not a long time away, people. I'm running in that race and I need to really get my butt in gear and train for that. Started well in January, dropped off a bit since. Um, The two charities we'll be supporting this year are Alzheimer's Society and Macmillan Cancer Support. Last year we raised £20,000, so hopefully we're going to top that. But if you want to help us do that, you've got to donate. Uh, so if you would like to run, marshal, or just cheer us on, please contact our head of delegate liaison, Abby Fellows, at a.fellows, that's F-E-L-L-O-W-E-S, at citywire.co.uk. The more the merrier, and the more people we get on board, the more money we will raise. So, lecture over. The only thing, of course, left to say is a huge thank you to Lauren for coming in. Great to have you on. Um, and thank you for an absolutely sterling performance in the quiz. Really pleased to <laughs> thank say Thank you for that, your donation. That you that's terrific. Not walking, I was terrified. I almost thought maybe we should make the rule that for every question you get wrong, the, <laughs> the, the donation would go up because it's meant to be so hard. Um, anyway, delighted to say that we've raised a little bit of money today. So I think that's what charity should be all about. Glad that we can put our money where our mouth is. Um, until next time, thank you so much for listening and goodbye. <laughs>